Welcome to episode number 256 of Destination Linux. Whether you're brand new to open source or a guru of sudo, this is the podcast for you. My name is Jill. I'm Michael. I'm Ryan. Also with us just off camera, but piped in direct from Jitsi, is our glorious community of fact-checking, ego-busting patrons. Woohoo! Yeah. So on this week's episode of Destination Linux, we are going to list out the best gifts to give the Linux geek in your life or just the best gifts to get yourself. <laughs> if you want to drop some hints to your significant other about what to get you for the holidays, make sure they listen to this episode. Then we're going to discuss some troubling reports regarding Debian. Plus, we have our tips, tricks, and software picks. All this and more coming up right now on Destination Linux to keep those penguins marching. In the community feedback this week, Corey wrote in about standard notes from our Thankful For episode. Corey says, I just wanted to say that I really enjoy your podcast and listen to it every week. Thank you so much. And on the last episode, 254, when you discussed standard notes, that was a game changer for me. I may as well share my Linux origin story to put it all in perspective. I first encountered Linux as a computer science student in 1995. That's awesome. Uh, over the years, I continued to fiddle with Linux to include Gentoo, OpenSUSE, Debian, Ubuntu, Fedora, Mint, Puppy, RHEL, CentOS, OpenSolaris, essentially everything is what it seems like. Uh, <laughs> then he goes on to say, I think that I have tried nearly every distro out there. I think you have as well. Yeah, good job. <laughs> he says, when my wife and I... Uh, just started dating, she walked off, walked into my office and was presented with multiple computers running all kinds of systems and the components that rivaled some of Jill's possessions. And let's just say she knew what she was getting into very early. <laughs> I finally decided that it was time to pull the trigger on a System76 machine and I've been running Pop! OS almost exclusively. There's still one or two programs I need for work that I can't get to work on Wine, so I do have a second NVMe drive with Windows on it. And I'm a huge fan and proponent of FOSS and, 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 and contribute how I can and when I can. And I've never really found what I would call a suitable replacement for how I used Evernote until episode 254, so thank you so much. I installed standard notes from Pop Shop, Flatpak, and within 30 minutes, subscribed to the annual membership plan, and I'm working on moving my Evernote notebooks, and I'm thankful for the software spotlight moving me to another open source project, long live FOSS, Corey. Uh, thank you so much for sending in that feedback, Corey. Uh, if, if, you want to send your, if you're listening to the show and you want to send your feedback, you can do so at comments at destinationlinux.org. But I want to talk about the standard notes thing, because this is really interesting, because I bought standard notes. On Black Friday. Whoa, you spent money? I did. I know. That's <laughs> the you opened that crusty, web-filled wallet. I took a crowbar and was Aww. somewhat slightly able to open the wallet. Yeah, it, it, it happened. I, but also, I, I, I opened it. I saw it had notes. I saw it had to-dos. And I saw it had a spreadsheet system. I was like, that's, that's kind of cool. But I'm, I got to say, Ryan, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get what the big fuss about standard notes is. I need you to show me the way. Ah. <laughs> well, I think the thing that you're missing that I didn't hear you say is extensions. Because the extension system makes it mm. so standard notes can be literally whatever you want it to be. You want a markdown, pure markdown editor? Ah. You can add that in. You want the ability to add images in? You can add that in. You want to link it to other storage? You can add that in. The extension system in standard notes makes it so that however you like taking your notes, whatever your preferences, themes and other things, the extension system will get you there. 
So I think that's probably what you were missing because I heard you go, ah, so I assume you didn't install extensions. I did not look at any user. You should be used to like (laughs) looking for advanced features. Well, well, okay. With for, uh, you know, to defend myself with that, KDE Plasma has so many advanced features already available to me. So that's why I didn't notice that I needed extensions, but uh, that is cool that they have extensions and plugins or whatever it's called. Because I, there is, uh, when I was first using it, it seemed kind of simplistic. I was like, there's not much it can do. Yeah. But if it's done through a, a extension system, that would make a lot more sense. Uh, so I, I will check yeah, out can, more of it. Absolutely. And so that extension system, you can make it what you want. But I, I love this because here's somebody who has been very similar situation of when I was in, when I was doing the 30 Days of Linux, trying to find certain replacements had gone through probably the other notes ones, but finally found this. This is what they were looking for that fit them in FOSS. And I think that's what's so amazing. And then they immediately, after looking at it, realizing this is for them, went and paid for it as well to support them. And if you're capable of doing that, obviously that's a huge bonus too, because that helps keep the software around and helps us hopefully get the devs to be able to work on these projects full time. Mm -hmm. And then we get better products out of that as a result. Uh, so when you find something like this and you're like, hey, this is a game changer. I love what Corey did here and put some money behind it to help support it as well. And I love the whole origin story here of dr- jumping from distro to distro. And he has some mm-hmm. advanced distros in here, you know, Gentoos and others um, trying REL, Open Solaris. <laughs> uh, so he went through the whole gamut and landed on Pop! OS, which is interesting because mm-hmm. I love me some pop os but out of all of those that's a not as an advanced that's a, anybody can get into pop os new experienced or not um, but landed on that for its simplicity and ease of use probably there's so many great things about pop os but i think we all can relate to that journey of jumping from distros forever wow. i mean i used to extreme distro hop like before destination <laughs> linux I would be on a new distro like, hey, Michael, I'm setting up. I'll be ready in 10 minutes. So just Oh, there was time. We started calling it extreme distro hopping because he would do yeah. it within like you you have rough depending on how quick you are at installing. You still have to wait on the times of downloading the packages and installing the packages. So you're anywhere between 15 to 25 minutes or so. And then 30 minutes before the show, he's like, hey, I'm installing a new distro. Like, what? Huh? What? Uh, I'm going to try something new. Out. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe not 30 <laughs> minutes before the show. <laughs> But, but, you know, we all jumped around all and, and tried all of these <laughs> different distros. And I love the experience of his wife walking in going, what the heck? My room is so full of computers because you don't even see there's two more computers over here. There's two computers behind me. And then there's all of this. And the, when people come in, like pest control people or whatever, they're like, what is this, NASA? Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> it's called <laughs> Linux. So cool. It's an obsession. You need to understand. Uh, yeah, you need, a, you need drive, multiple- go home and install it. That's your solution. Instead of extreme distro hopping on the computer that you're doing the show with, you just have other computers to do it with. I there see. you go. I yeah. see that you've solved it in a different way. I respect Wasn't it that. Wasn't it Rocco that had like a separate distro hopping laptop yes. he kept, yeah. I think, yeah. where that laptop was just made to distro hop Just on, to try out new try. stuff. And it's, it's yeah. actually kind of funny because I'm one of the least distro hopping people that you... Are, you, yeah. you and it's because... I've been doing Linux for so long that I've just gotten to the mm-hmm. point where I, I, I've tried everything, so yeah. I don't need to distro hop anymore. I mean, there are it has been a while, so the point where I started trying out new distros, and I was like, uh, okay, they are significantly different from the previous time, so maybe I should just kind of restart the process. I don't know. 
Because well, you can't you can't yeah. get you to distro hop because Neil tricked you and got you to use Fedora. That's true. That's true. That's and true. we got you. Yes. So, um, so Jill, you don't have to distro hop though because you just walk through your museum and one of yeah. your three thousand <laughs> machines probably exactly. has that distro on it, right? And you just boot it up and you're good yeah. to go. Exactly. And it was very, that was very nice when, you know, in the early years in the, in the nineties, there weren't that many distros to hop. You were just, Mm -hmm. you know, installing a new distro to try it. But in the two thousands, that is when distro watch became (laughs) a huge thing. And there were tons of distros. And I, I literally have thousands of distros on live CDs (laughs) because I tried them all. And then I put them on all my, you know, hundreds of computers. (laughs) (laughs) Jill's like the Ash Pokemon of collecting distros out there. Yeah. Got to catch them all for sure. (laughs) Got to catch them all. Well, I also see some people in our comments, you know, shouting out that they've been using the same distro since 2015, uh, Angus, uh, Kubuntu and things like that. I think that's respectable too, right? You find that distro you love and you kind of stay there and that's just as good as distro hopping. well also just so, to say that just distro hopping is not because you have to it's because it's a fun thing to do for some it's people fun. so yeah. it's it's not even like they're missed the, the system's messed up they're just like i just want to play with more stuff so yeah. distro hopping mm-hmm. and because you can do it so quickly and so easily and once you once you do it the first couple of times it's all the same every other time so you just you, you can try out so many different things and that's one of the greatest things about linux is the amount of choice we have i mean it's also kind of a little bit of a negative to some people cuz it's like too many choices is a bit much but because we have so many choices you can have so many different like you have different uh, display servers on one distro different uh, applications available on another distro like so many great things so distro hopping is not necessarily a bad thing we're just saying mm-hmm. you if you want to if you find a distro that's great for you perfect but if not there's tons of great stuff and actually even if you do you still you, there's no wrong Hippity no, hop away yeah, yeah yeah feel free to follow the white rabbit there you, nice nice <laughs> matrix reference just <laughs> in time for the movie coming don't get me started i won't stop all right so we <laughs> love hearing from our worldwide community what we want you to do is get your official deal in mug Fill it with some coffee or bubbly. Sit down on the nearest stool. If you're a child, if you're an adult, then you'd be in a chair. And send us I'm an in email. I'm in a chair right now. <laughs> comments <laughs> at destinationlinux.org. That's comments at destinationlinux.org. And if you want to join in on the community discussions, then join the DLN community forum by going to dlnforum.com. There you can ask what the proper age range is to have a stool. And then when you should be graduating to a chair, you can ask any questions you want. Linux questions, all that stuff there on the dealinform.com. And make sure it's an active stool. There you go. (laughs) So this episode of Destination Linux is brought to you by the beautiful people at DigitalOcean. Now's the perfect time to dive into DigitalOcean. Their new app platform service helps you build modern cloud native apps for way less money. With that platform... You can build, deploy, scale apps, static websites faster and easier than ever before using a simple, intuitive interface. Simply point app platform to your GitHub or GitLab repository and let it do all of the heavy lifting for you. You're using Node.js, Python, Go, PHP, Ruby, static sites, Docker, container images. It works with all of it. By running app platform on their infrastructure, DigitalOcean keeps your costs significantly lower than other products. This amazes me so much. I set up this uh, site. I set up a droplet to put in to help out the Tor network because they've been having some issues with bridges and things. And I went and looked at the cost. It was $5 to set up two of these bridges that I had. And I think I'm going to set up more because it's not even using all the full bandwidth of one droplet. 
And the price, when I saw the price hit this month, it cost me a whole $5, five whole dollars to help out an awesome project. That's the cool stuff you can do on DigitalOcean. Plus, it's built on top of DigitalOcean Kubernetes, providing a smoother migration path so you can take control of your infrastructure set up too. As a Destination Linux listener and a member of the DLN community, you can get started building your own app with their app platform for free. You're going to get $100 credit by going to do.co slash DLN. That's do.co slash DLN. They're going to give you $100 to play with. One giant droplet, a bunch of little droplets. Go help out the Onion Network if you want. Go play with Docker if you want to learn that or Kubernetes or any of these cool things out there. Create your own websites. You can do all that on DigitalOcean. We thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of Destination Linux. So we're in the holiday season and we all know the true spirit of holidays is getting a good, a giving a good gift, I meant. No, getting a gift. Oh, well, that's also nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, I mean, oh, oh, friends and family. Friends and family oh, yeah. is the true spirit of the holidays. <laughs> <laughs> so, with that in mind, in this if, uh, in this episode, we're going to you know we're gonna we're gonna talk about the possible gifts that you could give to you know the geeks in your in your life, and the, whether there's yeah. friends or family or even yourself. There's a lot of great stuff that we're gonna be talking about. Uh, we have gift items from every price range here, and if you there's also so, there's so much great stuff in here. So. Really, this is like a list of our favorite things of 2021 that we just wanted to talk about, and it's a good excuse to you know let to let you know about them th- about these things. So, uh, Ryan, let's start with you. What uh, what is in what what would you want to put in a what is those stocking? What is your stocking stuffers? Stocking stuffers for the geek friends that I have <laughs> out there. Well, there's a lot of great gifts. Like I used to do this on my channel, so I'm so excited to actually just do this here on Destination Linux because I can't hear wait to hear what Jill and you have to say, mm-hmm. Michael, but you said stocking stuffer specifically. So yeah. for me, I'm going to have to say, if you put a stocking stuffer of a YubiKey in somebody's stocking, I think nice. that would be a pretty cool gift. I yeah, love that's the YubiKey. Awesome. Let me explain why this device is going to change how fast you can get into your accounts, log in, but still keeping you secure. Number one, this interfaces with Bitwarden, the best password manager out there. So you can use this with Bitwarden as well. But when you get a new computer and you're distro hopping, and if you're using this as your two-factor authentication, if you have this physical device on you on a keychain or whatever, you can plug it into your phone. By the way, this one works for phones or laptops or your laptops if you're distro hopping or your desktop. And you just, if I want to log into an account, I just click that button when it gets to the two-factor authentication mode and boom, it's going to put the two-factor in and I'm logged in. So I can get set up on a new distro so much faster because all my accounts authenticate through YubiKey. I don't have to go through Aegis or some other two-factor authentication app and look for the code and, oh, I missed it. I didn't do it in 30 seconds. So let me get the new code and put that in and and deal with that. And we all have to have two-factor authentication to keep things secure. But YubiKey just makes it so much faster and easier. And there's so many other things you can do with the YubiKey as well. That's just the very basic functionality of YubiKey. Of course, you can do lots of things with SSH and others uh, related to this little device here. But I think if you get the geek in your life, a YubiKey, because they're a little bit pricey, not super expensive, generally around $50 or less, um, somewhere around there. Uh, Generally, now you can get them on eBay. You can get sets of them, people who are selling packs of them that got them for business and have overage uh, for generally cheaper. But this would be a cool gift to put in people's stockings. Michael, stocking stuffer. (laughs) What's on your list? 
So I have an inch, a stocking stuffer that requires some salt. As a software person, and a lot of people would you know expect me to have want something to tell you about software, and I have a couple of things. But I had an idea that I thought, what if you were to say uh, you get a a geek in your life a USB drive that like a USB flash drive that had a ton of storage on it, like a, a hundred gig flash drive, right? Yes. And on that, yeah. you put as many ISOs as you want using Ventoy to have tons of just distro hopping possibilities at, at your fingertips. So Vimtoy is a game changer in my mind. Like I love this software. We talked about it some episodes back. It's just absolutely amazing. And you can load windows on that as well if you needed to just as a backup or something. So you could put anything you want on any operating system you want. And so if you got them a giant USB drive mm-hmm. and you loaded all of your favorite distros on there, that's a pretty cool gift for definitely for a stocking stuffer and a geek out there. Yeah, I'll absolutely. You could have as many distro hopping uh, possibilities as you want right there. Yep. That's a good one. Jill, what you got on your list for the geek okay. in their life? So you can, and the, these aren't stocking stuffers. <laughs> this is something too big for a stocking. So you can help that Linux geek start a collection for their very own version of Jill's Hardware Museum. Things Ooh, like vintage nice. processors. Yes, you could put those in stockings. Yes, vintage processors, yeah. vintage retail boxes of distros, or give them a, a vintage computer like this one. Well, that <laughs> won't fit in my stocking, but that is no. Yes, that's a Macintosh SE, um, otherwise known as the System Expansion um, nice. from March of 1987 with a Motorola 68K 7.8 megahertz processor. And uh, this one has four megabytes of, of SIM RAM. And you can actually uh, get these on eBay for about $200 and up, depending on the condition and the version. And actually, with enough time and effort, you can even install Debian Linux on it, like I did on this one many years ago. Also, if you want to upgrade it to a more zippier processor, you can always put a Raspberry Pi in it like other hackers have. That's awesome. <laughs> wow, I didn't think about that. So you kind of turn it into a little bit of a sleeper there by yeah. putting a Raspberry Pi inside. And then are they using that screen? They're connecting the yes. CRT to the yeah, Raspberry Pi? Very yeah, there's cool. hack hacks for it and uh yeah if you go on the raspberry pi forums you'll find lots of people putting raspberry pies in these and, and hooking them up to the monitor and and all the things what a so great idea really and cool. project there if you got them the raspberry pi and that you'd have to really like them because that's like 200 dollars. then you got the raspberry pi yeah <laughs> <laughs> like them but even if you just really like yourself and want to get a good gift for yourself that would be a fun project to play with yeah, i love that awesome. yeah. And because they are they are readily available, although this one is the most valuable one, so this one was around uh, four to five hundred, <laughs> but but you can get the series in around two hundred dollars on eBay currently. I just checked. <laughs> now you should really know what you're doing here because I believe with the CRTs they have some big capacitors in there. You can really hurt yourself. Absolutely. So only if the geek you know has very has experience with taking that type of stuff apart because that can be really dangerous. Um, it's heavy. Or they have some <laughs> experience with them. Yeah. I bet that's heavy to hold up yeah. there. But you did it, Jill. Good job. That's an, <laughs> yes. that's an awesome gift. I've got another one. This one actually, the, these are ones that I'm giving to several of my friends here because I know there is still 
the idea of whether cryptocurrency is a good thing or a bad thing. There's some things out there, but I like giving the gift of cool gadgets related to cryptocurrency. And so what we have here is the Ledger Nano S, and this is what they call a cold storage wallet. So essentially, you can transfer cryptocurrency to one of these devices, and then you unplug it, and there is no access to that cryptocurrency unless you plug the thing back in again. There's no internet access to this device. So it's a hardware wallet that you can load stuff on if you want to give your friends cryptocurrency, if they've been interested in it, which I have a couple of friends that have been interested but never took the dive. And the cool thing about cryptocurrency, well, the cool thing and the bad thing is sometimes you could give the gift of cryptocurrency and that gift keeps making them more and more money. Sometimes you give them like, you know, $25 on here and then it's worth 10 by the time they get it, depending on how the cryptocurrency market is that week. But the key but, is it's kind of a cool and secure way to get somebody who's interested in cryptocurrency. I bought a pack of three of these. They have an option uh, to give away to some friends and things like that. So I think it's a cool, if you're interested in cryptocurrency or your friends right. in there, to check something like that out. Also, the key to make sure that you you know you have the, the the full experience of the crypto wallet with this ledger thing is to of course hodl with your diamond hands. You've got to hodl. <laughs> yeah, it didn't lose value if you don't sell. Remember, that's the key. As long exactly. as you don't sell, it ain't losing value. Exactly. Yeah, so. You don't worry. It, it'll 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 pick up. Just you know. <laughs> Well, Michael, this isn't on your list, but we actually talked about this in the pre-show, and I feel like this would be a good gift for somebody. Giving oh. them a subscription to HBO Max because the new Matrix movie's oh. coming out, and it's oh. going to be on Absolutely. HBO Max, and I <laughs> feel like true. that would be That is cool very geek option. for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the HBO Max is interesting because uh, HBO Max is really cool. I It's kind of more expensive than the other services, but what's uh, what's cool is that I had a uh, a transition in one of my, in my account, and I had to change you know who I was doing the structure through because they have this whole you know you have your regular account, but you also have this provider thing. So like you have your if you have a you know a, t a TV plan with something that you can connect that with your account and that sort of stuff. But what's cool is that when I transitioned from the one provider to the other, it didn't lose any of my data. Like the history was still there, and that was that's the first time I've oh, ever cool. seen that happen for any of these streaming services, and it, it blew my mind. And I'm glad you brought it up because that's something that people should know. Like that is that is something that every streaming service should do, right? Plus, they have some amazing documentaries in there, especially when it comes to you know the dark web and different things that have happened on the internet. And they, they've really become an amazing documentary house because a lot of places don't want to touch documentaries right now, especially if there's any hint of controversy, they don't want to touch it. But HBO has actually been taking a lot of those in and you can get some really interesting documentaries and stuff through that service. And Netflix has just been failing me. Like I can't, I go on Netflix and there's nothing there anymore. So HP Max is kind of, I think, I think they're kind of in a, in a, they're suffering from the thing about all these different services, taking stuff away from Netflix and they're going yeah. to this yeah. other thing. So I think that's yeah. that's what it is. But also, I've kind of, because of HBO Max has these, uh, they, they have, uh, I've been on a binge of 90s sitcoms for some reason. I can't explain uh, why, but I started. Friends? Your friends? <laughs> friends, uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, uh, uh, Family Matters, a lot of stuff. Aww. A lot of stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I can't explain why. I watched a little bit of Saved by the Bell for some reason. I don't. I, Man, you might want to cut that out. It's embarrassing. <gasps> I don't, I don't Saved know. Saved by the Michael Bell. Every, we were good until <laughs> Saved by the Bell. Dude, Saved by the Bell is actually interesting. If you think about it, Zach Morris is a superhero because he can stop time. And he also, yeah. <laughs> and, and so, so many things that happen that just don't make any sense that he has to be a superhero. 
Well, let me rein this back in. Don't get your friends the DVD <laughs> set of Saved by the Bell unless you don't like them. But some Aww. other gifts that you could get. We don't have to get them a DVD set. You get them HBO Max. <laughs> what are some other gifts that you get somebody you actually like? Okay, so you can gift them a tux or a penguin plush, woo, to show their show uh, their love of their favorite operating system, uh, like all the ones I have. <laughs> Right yeah, here. I was gonna say, are there any left? Because it looks like you've hoarded. Yeah, you've got them. All. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is literally only like five percent of my collection. <laughs> so, of that. course, it is, Jill. <laughs> <laughs> so they um, they actually range from ten dollars and up. And on eBay, you can search Tux Plush Linux, and on Etsy, search for Tux Penguin. There's some nice handmade ones on Etsy. Nice. And you can also get um, an official stuffed tux from tuxedocomputers.com. Oh, that's cool. And yeah, so that's, there's not that many companies right now making the official tux plush. So, and, and so tuxedo computers is one of the ones that's easiest. Very nice. And the other cool thing is you can do is do an Amazon search for just plush penguin because like some of the plush penguins in my collection it doesn't have to look exactly like tux <laughs> so, right just being a penguin you know, that's good enough for just sure being yeah. a penguin that's good enough <laughs> i agree absolutely <laughs> well what i like about a lot of your suggestions with some of the vintage stuff and and even the plushies is utilizing ebay i feel like there's so much mm-hmm. e-waste and things out there that of people just buying new stuff. And sometimes you're not really sure if that person's going to use that thing that you're buying, but uh, giving new life to vintage equipment is awesome. And eBay is a great place to safely be able to pick up some different things that you could try out plushies, some vintage equipment, some old processors that right there mm-hmm. behind me is a little shadow box full of some of my favorite processors Aww. from back in the day and stuff. So those are really good gifts that, and it shows that you really Maybe you're not, maybe you yourself or a spouse sitting in the car, and you're like, I'm not into this Linux thing, but my partner really is. Those are some cool things to kind of show you, even though it may not be your thing, you still care and, and kind of support what they're doing here. But my favorite gift of all to give somebody, because so many people miss this, and we have so many programmers and developers and things where this would be utilized on an everyday basis. And I would put it in the category of life-changing if you've never had a high-quality pair of headphones. Absolutely. I'm not talking about the ones that come with your phone or the ones you go to Walmart and pick up for $20. I mean an audiophile-worthy pair of headphones. It was a complete game-changer for me. And not only my concentration, but just being able to enjoy my music at a different level. And it's so much cheaper than spending tens of thousands of dollars on these surround sound systems or thousands of dollars on surround sound systems and all this stuff to have a really high quality pair of headphones. Right here are the Bowers and Wilkins P7s, which are just, they're phenomenal. They'll blow your mind. The sound's so good. But also you could check out the AKG 702s and the Sennheiser HD 660s are some of my recommendations out there. But if you go and get them a nice quality pair of headphones for the geek in your life, especially if they're a programmer or developer or something like that, that is a gift they'll use all year long and appreciate so much. And then if you pair that with something like Tidal Hi-Fi, where you get that Hi-Fi music, if they really get an audio file I was about to say Tidal for sure. 
yeah, yeah. then you're just going to have an amazing experience. This is this is interesting because a lot of people are you know really into the Spotify realm of streaming audio. If you if you like music and you like the like the quality of music and not just you know beats that are just slamming bass in your face, like if you like music and the texture of music and like it, title is so cool because like the baseline titles quality is similar to the maximum of Spotify. Like you can and you can get master quality level audio in title. And that just blew my mind to have that kind of access to, you know, any any music I just really want. Like, ah, let's see if they have this. Oh, master quality. Fantastic. Combine that with some good headphones and it it will blow your mind. And I've actually tested it where I had these headphones on where they just like, you know, they're earbuds, they're not really that good. And then I also have some Audio Technica's that I put on and compared the two, and it is completely different. You, a hundred percent over the ear, and also I would say over the ear headphones are the more important way to get really good quality uh, audio. And it just it will change your experience with listening to music so much because people talk about how like record playing is a better quality than CDs or something like that. And it also does matter how you're listening to the, the stuff because if you're just listening 100%. through your like your laptop speakers are not going to sound that great no matter what you put. Or just streaming it through YouTube and other things. You're gonna if you get a high quality pair of headphones, mm -hmm. you're going to notice a massive difference in mm -hmm. the sound profiles that you're hearing. And all of a sudden, you're gonna be like, oh, the highs are amazing, the mids are really good, the lows. You're gonna start understanding the different things you'll hear audio files, audio audio files talk about when it comes to the sound stage. But when you when you're talking about the on ear headphones, Michael, you're absolutely correct. If they want an in-ear headphone, something a high quality one would be like a Focal Sphere or somewhere around there. They make some really fantastic in-ear, but it's still not the same as an on-ear headphone there. And when you need to concentrate, having noise cancellation and those type of things, like in these Bauer and Wilkins PX headphones, are it becomes really advantageous so that they're not getting distracted and pulled out of that programming mindset and things as they're contributing to great projects, documentation, whatever they're doing. But headphones. I think is one of the greatest gifts you could give somebody if they don't have a nice pair of quality headphones. Another thing that's related to kind of in the same vein of having, you know, basic access to something and then also have a high quality option, mechanical keyboards. I used to be the Absolutely. type who would say, <laughs> yeah, yeah, when you have like the the clicky keyboard or the the um, the membrane type keyboard, I used to be the type who say, you know, twenty dollar keyboard is fine. I can just use this; it's no big deal. And then the first time, uh, so, so Ryan allowed me to try out his mechanical keyboard, and I realized, oh, okay, this is why it matters. Like the feel of the Light keyboard, changing. it's yeah. hard to explain. Really, you have to just try it. But the physical keyboard of a mechanical keyboard feels so much different and it feels more like precise and you have more control and it also sounds a little better that does that's not that really important it gives you that tactile feedback as yeah, well so exactly. it actually can engage you more into your projects having a proper keyboard in there it's a huge game changer and if you're like yeah. me and you want to do customizations of your keyboard there's typically like ways to remove the the keys and, ha and get compatible keyboards like depending on what kind of like switches you have and that sort of stuff and it just makes it where you can customize the keyboard you can and also most of them have our RGB, which also increases your typing speed guaranteed by a minimum of 10%. I have, uh, I've done benchmarking on that, that for this last two seconds where I made that up, but it's <laughs> totally, it's, 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 a, it's a game changer for me that I, I can't go back to a non-mechanical keyboard. Yeah. 
I'm exactly the same way, Michael. In fact, right now I'm using a brown switch um, keyboard because it's quieter for broadcasting. Yes. My favorites still are the reds and the blues. <laughs> so, but I had mm-hmm. I have to use a quieter one for <laughs> broadcasting. Mm-hmm. But I'm also using browns. Yeah. Oh, yep. cool. Cool. But yeah, to me, I was, you know, I was so happy when the mechanical uh, keyboards became all the rage because I still use my IBM Model M. Of course. I knew the (laughs) IBM Model M was going to come up. It's everybody's (laughs) favorite clicky keyboard of all time. Yeah. And and the other keyboard I showed you with speakers in it, the Intergraph speaker keyboard, that's got nice clicky. (laughs) I just, I I grew up with that. So when the mechanical keyboards came out, I was just. Like I, cool. I have probably about 30 different ones that I kind of rotate. Oh, we knew, Jill. We knew. <laughs> I, I'm surprised it wasn't 40, but yeah. It's so actually I, more yeah, than 30. My favorite keyboard right now is the Rocat Vulcan. That's what I've been using. Oh, but are, I've, yeah. yeah, I just love the key profile and the setup of these keys here. But Corsair K65, <laughs> K70 is also really great keyboards. And Honestly, one of my favorite keyboard brands, period, is DOS Keyboard. And they're not named after me, sadly enough. But check out the DOS Keyboard out there because they make some really great professional. If you don't want all the RGB and all that type of stuff, if they're not a gamer, then DOS Keyboard, I think, makes a really good option. There's also all kinds of really clever, cool keyboards you can make yourself and things out there. So Keyboards is a place you could really explore and get a really cool gift to somebody that's very unique or just something that they'll really love there. Um, I'm going to throw in real quick, and then we've got to move on just the Scribd subscription. Have you heard of Scribd? I'm, yeah. I'm trying to move away from Amazon. Mm. And so I've been trying to find other services out there for eBooks and audiobooks and all of that stuff. And you can gift a Scribd subscription out there. That's S-C-R-I-B-D. And they have a fantastic price, an amazing list of audiobooks and ebooks and magazines and other things, all included in that one subscription. And kind of starts breaking you away from that Amazon uh, closed garden that a lot of people are probably stuck in there. So, Scribd subscription would also be a really cool gift to give somebody, I think. I, I, that sounds pretty interesting. I, I definitely check that out. But also, before I move on, I have one more thing I want to talk about because, as the master of the art of shameless plugs, uh, I wanted to tell you about the DLN swag that we have Woo-hoo. because we have so much great stuff at DLNstore.com. We have sure. mugs, hoodies, T-shirts, backpacks, <laughs> aprons, so much cool stuff. But also, we have a special announcement. We have a new product being added to the store, and that is a shirt inspired by Jill. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> So, yes. Uh, so, Jill has her very own shirt. Oh, she does. So, so, so Jill is uh, is uh, is is a very uh, positive oh. person, and also has a lot of you know a lot of joy for the retro gaming or the retro technology or retro gaming too, and just retro in general. So, I wanted to create a design that uh, got to combine the two: the positivity of Jill and the retro aspects of Jill, and to also celebrate the fact that we're putting a lot more emphasis on the treasure hunt and all sorts of stuff. We got, you got a special treasure hunt. We didn't even know what was going to happen this episode. Right. So there you yeah. go. Getting 33% more Jill so up there. 33% oh. more Jill. So check out, yeah. you can see it on the screen right wait. now. We have the new design for the new shirt. 
Uh, you could probably get it on. We're also, I'm going to put it both on. Both of us kind of worked on this. I mean, you did all the hard work, Michael, but both of us well, thought about absolutely. How we could do this. What's yeah. great about oh. it is that uh, Ryan oh Ryan gave me like an it. idea for it, and I was like, "Ooh, I know what I'm going to do with this." So, thank you very much for that, Ryan. Uh, yeah. So this was I was kind of like, "How do I? How do I want to? You know, design it this particular way?" And he's like, he just showed me like, "Here's what I was thinking." Like, oh. Now this is perfect. I'm, I'm going to combine the sunshine, it. Sunshine, because Jill brings in so much sunshine. Yeah, you got tux in there. It's just, it's perfect. Dirty. The perfect shirt. Now, please don't buy more of these than you bought our shirts, like Michael and me's, because that would make <laughs> us feel bad. Oh like if God. hundreds of these fly off the shelves, then then it would just, you know, you've got to be fair. You've got to buy one of Michael's, then one of Jill's. I think oh. Jill's going to outsell us, Michael. <laughs> Probably. I feel like crying. crying. Yes. This is so sweet. <laughs> and you have no idea the, the color palette you chose, Michael. I'm into 70s modern. So I love, we have, an, my, me and my husband have an orange couch. We actually colored our, our furnace yellow. Nice. <laughs> so the colors is, are perfect. Nice. Too. Awesome. That's amazing. And the font. And I just love what it says. Oh, my God. I'm so honored. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I can't wait. <laughs> That's awesome. So this would be a great kiss Christmas gift to give somebody who loves the Destination Linux podcast. Because if they love our podcast, they love Jill. And 33% more yeah. Jill. Who doesn't want that? So, yeah. That's awesome. Good job on that, Michael. <laughs> it, was a, it was a team effort. So that's yeah. Aww, thank you, Michael and Ryan. <laughs> You're welcome. So you'll find that in the store uh, very soon. It should be there now. Uh, just real quick, I do need to tell you, the people who are watching it live, it's not in the store just yet because it's still under review from the printer people, but it mm. should be there very soon. I'm not sure how long the review takes. It usually isn't that long, but uh, it currently still is under review. So just so you know, it'll be there be very a- soon. Second hey. minutes. <laughs> It's worth waiting for. Oh Maybe gosh. so many people are buying it that they just had to put it under review and pull it for a second. Like before you even <laughs> announced it, everyone has been searching. It's possible. They're like, oh, wait. It's already out of stock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. People are hoarding it and reselling it for $200. <laughs> exactly. This episode of Destination Linux is brought to you by Bitwarden. Get started right now with your free account at bitwarden.com slash DLN. Bitwarden is an awesome piece of software. It is a password manager that allows you to have peace of mind knowing that your online accounts are secure. How does it do it? Well, it gives you many different tools. You have a secured vault where you can store all of your passwords, an auto generator so you can automatically generate passwords for you, and even automatically fill in passwords on login forms so you don't have to do any of this. Plus, you can access this data across many different types of devices, whether it's a browser, uh, mobile application, desktop application, or even on the command line. Plus, Bitwarden seals and encrypts your private data with the end-to-end encryption before it ever leaves your devices. So you're now the only person with access to your data. So go to bitwarden.com DLN to get started. And also there's some new stuff that Bitwarden has announced, which is really cool. So if you are using this in an enterprise way, so you have a business account, they have now made it where complimentary Bitwarden family accounts will be granted to every, basically, employee of an enterprise enterprise plan so you uh, for the cloud-based version. So you can basically bring password security to your home up to six people for free, which is just awesome. Just another reason why Bitwarden is fantastic. And with a premium account, you can get one gigabyte encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F, and Duo, Vault Health Reports, Bitwarden Authenticator for temporary one-time passwords, and so much more. And this is this you get all of this for less than a dollar per month. I mean, if you're a part of an, an enterprise plan, you can get it for free. But if you're <laughs> if you are getting it for signing up for yourself, you can get it for less than a dollar per month. That's right. So make the smart move like many from the community have and go to Bitwarden. 
bitwarden.com slash DLN. And thanks again to Bitwarden for sponsoring Destination Linux. So this week in the news, I was browsing through Reddit and I came across in the Debian slash R slash Debian forums a lot of users looking for a solution to a security issue that was impacting Debian users. Now, a lot of security issues get completely blown out of proportion. Like, you know, the, the news headline of a new malware takes over a Linux server, blah, 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 blah. And generally it's like, yes, if they're physically there and they have a screwdriver in hand and there's nobody around, then they can get into your Linux server. Yay, we got them. But this one was actually really kind of, it, it caught my attention. And Jill, I know you're a huge Debian person, so I wanted mm -hmm. to get your take on this as well. So it appears that Debian isn't, and again, this is what it appears as, isn't properly maintaining its Chrome or Firefox ESR versions and therefore running very outdated packages. And this means that a lot of users in the community are running versions with major security flaws because browsers are one of those things that are constantly targeted from people trying to get things spread into them to take advantage of day zero attacks, all of these type of things. So it's really important that you always keep your browser up to date. But when with Debian, these browsers are old. I mean, so old, like for the Firefox version, it's not even maintained by Firefox anymore. The version that I, I went in and I installed Debian because I was like, let me see this for myself. Maybe they're using an old version of Debian or something like that. And I installed it and they use an ESR version, by the way, but they're using version 78, which on Firefox's own site is end of life. Like they're not supporting it. You're not getting security updates for that. Chromium is still version 90.04 something. I was like blown away. And mm -hmm. when I installed it and I looked myself and this was still the issue, this is a big problem. What, do you have any idea what's going on, Jill, with this Debian situation? No, other than there's some conflicts with some libraries, um, with the Mesa library, with uh, the ESR version. That's what I was uh, reading in the article about. Um, but actually, this has kind of always been an issue with Debian. It, it's a little worse right now than it, it had been. But because of, uh, you know, this has always been an issue for years with web browsers in Debian, just because of the nature of the stable build using older and more stable versions of software. In fact, I've always downloaded the latest Firefox binary or the tar.bz2 from the Mozilla website on a new Debian install because of this, because the Firefox was always out of date. Mm -hmm. Now, previously it wasn't unsupported, it was just out of date. And now with the ESR version, it seems to be out of date. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so just, I, it's interesting. It seems like you know they're not able. There's something on, going on with the, the maintenance of that package, mm -hmm. and there there are um, there are several ways to install the latest Firefox that I could tell you later. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. There, there's inter it's interesting about this particular topic because um, when I looked into it, they have a policy related to browser updates inside of Debian, and the policy is yeah. essentially. They only uh, focus on Chromium and uh, Firefox ESR, and anything else. It's it's kind of like you'll you'll have the package, but it's not going to get security updates. It's not going to get probably any updates for a while. Uh, but they the ESR the one of the things that is actually kind of worrying about this particular situation is that the ESR mm -hmm. isn't updated to the latest ESR. Veronix also picked up on this. I noticed mm -hmm. this week and released an article related to this being a problem. 
There's also something that really needs to be clarified in terms of distribution terminology. There's this term where, you know, Debian stable. If you see a distribution that has the word stable or an application that has the word stable or whatever, that doesn't mean stability. It means not moving. So the term should actually be static because that's what it's implying. So it's, yeah. it's moving as little as possible especially on the core level of stuff. So Debian stable is not saying, hey, we, we have tons of stability. It's saying it's not going to move that much. So it is, it's kind of somewhat designed to do that that way. And uh, the thing about f- browsers is that previously the, the issues weren't so obvious because those browsers haven't been, you know, it's the, the beginning early stages of browsers, there wasn't a, you know, everything being done in a browser. And now we're in that stage where pretty much, everything is being done in a browser. Well, you know, you can be stable. I, I understand the point of Debian and these and, and having that static or stability that they're looking for. But Neil points out in our Patreon chat, you know, like RHEL also needs to be stable. SUSE sure. also needs to be really stable. They're shipping sure. with the ESR 91. To me, there is no excuse to be running browsers, especially browsers. Yeah. If anything that's the most likely to get compromised or have security flaws, it's the browser that, that somebody's going to be able to get into. <laughs> and to be running that old of a, of a browser, to me, it. I love Debian. Don't get me wrong here. This is not a, a slam on them, but they we need to bring this out because they need to fix it. This is a big, this is a big problem. This is way yeah. bigger than just, oh, they, they like to roll things really slow and they'll get around to it. You know, that's fine if you're, you know, talking about your music player or um, something else that is is benign. But this, this is leaving a lot of users exposed to potential security flaws. So in my mind, the first thing I thought is if they can't support it, why not go flat pack? Why not go snap or something like that? Why aren't we using a universal package manager here? If they don't want to support the latest version, don't have the resources to do so, why not go that route? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was a good idea that your suggestion about Flatpak because that that's one of the ways you can install the latest version of Firefox on on Debian, and you can also do it through a Snap as well. The Snap doesn't quite run as well as the Flatpak, but it, it 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 does work. There are a few issues with the Snap, but you can also one of the tricks I've done is you could use the Debian Unstable repository, which um, has a much newer version of Firefox. And you can install that on Debian uh, Stable as well, the unstable one. And you can also use the Ubuntu 20.04 repository. And uh, Debian will update uh, some packages, but it does work pretty well. I've actually done that before. That's an interesting one. Yeah, I like the idea of using the flat packs. I think that's the the easiest access. (laughs) Or the the binary tarball. That's true. Yeah, there is an easy way in the fact that Again, that's what I've always done with every new install in Debian is just go and download the tarball. And then you can, you know, edit your opt directory so that it gets the updates and everything. So, but I, I agree with that with uh, Ryan talking about how the different distributions, <laughs> like if like Rail, for example, or SUSE, for example, they have updates to those things because they are important, right? So I think it yeah. is important to note that while we are, we are fans of Debian, that that's kind of a that's okay not that's kind of a big problem because yeah. of like there's the fire F- firefox or any browser being out of date is not ideal because browsers find vulnerabilities all the time just because they're they're moving so fast so often and because there's so many people 
trying to hit it that you know if there's any kind of issue like that it might even be better for debian to not even ship them if they're not going to update them i'm just curious in my head like what is happening over there i would love to know we tried to get a hold of some folks from debian but weren't able to in time for the show, but what is happening? Or is it a project management issue? Is it because there's so many thousands of people, listeners of our show alone that love Debian so much that if yeah. you would put it out there, hey, we need help. These packages aren't getting updated or we can't fix this issue with Mesa, something like that, that people would be jumping in working on it. And then at least everybody knows, hey, it's a problem and we're all working to fix it. Versus here, which I've not personally seen anything of Debian coming out in any, and maybe they use some archaic way of communicating. I have no idea. Um, but communicating that, hey, we have this issue. And by the way, if you're somebody who's new user or even not a new user, but just a novice user who likes to use Debian, you're putting all of your users at risk with this because there are major security flaws. If you look between the versions of ESRs, major security patches that have happened since the versions that they're using here. Yeah, it's interesting because Debian, I know they're going through a lot of changes and there was a call for help from them. Was it like six months ago, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, they were they were looking for contributions because they were missing some people. So, okay. That well, might... maybe out there in the community, mm -hmm. if you want to go check out and see if you can get uh, some help there with Debian, because it looks like this project desperately need some assistance and at least package maintenance and those type of things. But if you're running Debian, I guess this is a PSA that switched to the Flatpak version of Firefox or one of yeah. the others because you're probably leaving your system vulnerable if you keep running it with what comes with Debian by default. And it makes me wonder what else is severely outdated out there in the Debian world if they're not maintaining the browser, which is kind of like 101 now. The browser is like one of the main components. Yeah. Uh, that we think about so yeah well the mesa is really old that, that's for sure <laughs> mesa is really old so if you're running amd or intel you have a very old version of mesa yeah it, it, it is hard because it is my it's my favorite of all the distros because it is stable and uh you know doesn't have issues but you just you have to update your own software <laughs> so hmm. interesting <laughs> Well, there you go. So if you're a Debian out there, go check out and see if you can uh, assist if you really love this project. But it, it just looks on the outside like they desperately need some help. All right, Jill, let's talk about something a little happier here. Let's Yay! switch back to some happy news and let's talk about <laughs> some gaming. What do we have in gaming this week? Yeah, so this is really cool. So both Michael and Ryan would love to be the gods of their own worlds, create happy civilizations and innocent know? creatures, and then destroy them quickly with <gasps> dragons, UFOs, and never. meteorites, <laughs> and atomic bombs. <laughs> well, so. you just described every dream I have. Yeah, so I should know this because I have played games with them before. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> so now Ryan and Michael can destroy any world they create with the game called Worldbox God Simulator. It's yes. an early access indie game that describes itself on Steam like this. Worldbox is the ultimate God Simulator and sandbox game. Create your own world or destroy it using different powers. Watch civilizations grow, form kingdoms, colonize new lands, and sail to far continents. Then smack towns, them down back to sail. <laughs> towns will rebel, empires will fall. It's your choice to help or watch them fight. 
Wow. You know what I would do? I would start my civilization, Michael, and let them grow, let them prosper. <laughs> I'll give them plants and water and housing. And then when they get into the technology age, if I see they're not using Linux, meteorites. <laughs> yeah. And then we start over again till we get a, a civilization that picks the right OS from the very beginning. Nice. So, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that would be awesome to do. I like it. <laughs> and uh, so this this game, uh, World Box God Simulator, Simulator, has a thousand very positive reviews, which is really good for an early access game that was just released December second. A lot year. of people with the God <laughs> complex out there, really. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. And what's really cool is there are four civilized races in World Box that you can use to design and populate your world. You can use orcs, humans, elves, dwarves, and each with its own design and specific race traits. Nice. Cool. <laughs> Michael, you'd be like an orc. You could create a race, your own people, Aww. the orcs, because you're so tall. You know, I think, I think elves are tall, too, based on Lord yeah. of the Rings. I don't know. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but elves are really smart. So that's why I was saying orcs. Oh, I see. Your, I see. Your mm -hmm. civilization. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know I set that up for you and I do regret Thank it. You. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I personally would do dwarves because I'm the short, almost the shortest one. So nice. I think dwarves I are I think, I think Ryan would be in there too for you. Yep. Yep. Shut up, Michael. <laughs> Shut your face. Got him. <laughs> So the other cool thing is this game, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, it has really cool destruction powers. It's got lightning, tornadoes, acid rain, yes, nukes and meteorites, and yes, dragons and even UFOs. Nice. And there's all kinds of cool creatures. There's demons, there's skeletons, there's zombies, and even a giant crabzilla that you can control I'm sold. yourself. As soon as I saw crabzilla, I'm crabzilla. sold. I'm buying it. Crabzilla. It's That's really cool. Amazing. Yeah. So World Box God Simulator Simulator can be had on Steam for $19.99. Our software spotlight this week is, <clears throat> is I messed it up. Is I messed up. Hard word to say. Yes. I believe in you, Ryan. All right, here we go. So our software spotlight this week is called Ops. <laughs> <laughs> Offices. It's offices. Offices, offices. offices is amazing. Obfuscate. 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 Okay, here we go. You got this. Maybe. So our software spotlight this week is obfuscate. Why can I not say this word? <laughs> obfuscate. obfuscate. Oh my goodness. Okay, Jill, can you say the word for me right when I get to our software spotlight is? Okay, here we go. Okay. So our software spotlight this week is Obfuscate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Michael, it's your turn. <clears throat> so our software spotlight this week, Michael, is obfuscate. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I said it close. Obfuscate. 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 Boom. Did it. Obfuscate. <laughs> So our software spotlight this week, you can see in the show notes because none of us can pronounce it. And it's utilized in the case that you need to redact certain information from an image. Simply open this program and drag the file into the program. So if it's a picture, whatnot, drag that in there. And then it's going to give you a couple options to blur or to put a black box around. It's going to give you a selection uh, angled like if you're taking a screenshot and you want to do a screen selection of a specific area, you can do that. And then it's just going to blur that area there. 
or you can put a black box in front of it. This could work if you're taking screenshots and you need to take out certain information from the screenshot. You need to send information to somebody. Or even if you're putting an image into a video you're doing, which this happens to me quite a bit, and it has something like a server IP address or a username or things that I don't necessarily want people to be able to see or not important to the video, you can easily take that image, throw that into this tool, and then be able to quickly obfuscate that out there. That was as good as it's going to get there is yes. my ability to well pronounce done. that. Well done. Uh, so this is a really great and handy tool, and it's available as a flat pack out there with something to go check out. And the tip of the week this week, we're going to talk about some command line stuff. And did you know that you can run multiple commands on the same line in the terminal? There's a few ways to do it. There are two characters that you'll need to know to use this, the ampersand and the pipe character. The ampersand is the and symbol, and the pipe character is a straight line. Uh, you, it's basically, it's right above the enter key on a US keyboard. Uh, for other people in other parts of the world with different keyboards, uh, good luck. And the, the, the things you can do with this <laughs> is that if you have uh, two ampersands back-to-back -back between uh, two different commands, it will treat it as an and operator. So if the first command succeeds, then do the second command. So for example, if you want to do like an apt update and apt upgrade, you could do apt update and and apt upgrade, and you could do it that way. You can also do an, the pipe twice, which is pipe pipe in between two commands, and you have an or operator. So if the first command fails, then do this command. And then you can also do it in a more of a string process. So if you do a single pipe, you're actually going to take the result from the first command, send it to the second command, like a variable in, in a way, and be able to use that input for the next command. This is why you'll see uh, some strings of different things like cut and trim and things like that have pipes in between because it's taking the result and then doing extra stuff on top of it. And then there's the, finally the single ampersand, and that is sending a command to the background. So for example, if you have uh, three different commands and you put and at the end of, or in between each one and also at the end, it will basically do them all at the exact same time in parallel in the background. So that is your tip of the week this week. Nice. And for Linux events this week, we have our charity stream. If you're watching this live, tomorrow. this is happening tomorrow. If you're not watching this live, it's probably happening right now as you're watching this video <laughs> and you should click over there and watch the charity stream first and then come back and finish this. So starting at 9 a.m. Eastern on December 13th, 2021, going to 9 a.m. December 14th, 24 hours, we have our very own Matt from DLN Extend and GameSphere doing a 24-hour game stream for charity here. For 24 hours, Matt will be raising money for St. Jude's Children's Hospital. There are rumors that Michael may show up, Jill may show up, I might be there. Other hosts from across the network are going to randomly show up there to show Matt finally how to game. And I hear... <laughs> Wendy keeps telling me to mention everybody that he loves Among Us and will definitely be playing Among oh, Us. Yes, I guess yeah. we're not. Oh, <laughs> apparently he's not a fan of Among Us he's based sucks. on the way you've said he's this. Sucks. Yeah, who's not a fan of Among Us? By the way, Matt is such a strange <laughs> right? character to Among not. You know, so he's fun. very sus. He's, he's very sus. sus. That That's, he must yeah. be the imposter. He's yeah. the imposter. That's why he doesn't like it because he really is an imposter. Now it makes sense. <laughs> but go support Matt's amazing charity stream. You can head to our discourse forums for more information. Encourage Matt, who happens to work insane hours already and is doing this for charity to help out. I think it's an awesome time to do something like this. And before, before, before we move on, I also wanted to say 
uh, and a, an extra special thing for this tw- this 24 hour stream because this is a very hard thing to do, and I wanted to give him an encouragement because so we have another product new in the store based on GameSphere that has a, it's a really cool design. I don't actually have it prepared to put in the show because I wasn't planning on saying this, but it, it is it's, beautiful. It is a cool design. It's going to be in the store as well, and it says uh, I paused my game to be here just to let people know. Ah, great. Why nice. Are I love that. Very cool. So we'll have a nice shirt there as well to go along with it. So as far as other events, of course, we're still talking about scale right now. They have their 19th annual Southern California Linux Expo. Jill is wearing the hat right now. If you see that hat in the crowd at scale, you know that's Jill. You can go say hi to Jill. Get the autograph. Maybe get your new Jill shirt autographed. How cool would that be, Michael? That's what I want. I want an autograph version. That would be awesome. Yeah, I'm going to hang it back there in the back. March 3rd through the 6th, 2022 in Pasadena, California. Right now, they're looking for volunteers and, of course, attendees that you can register for. The call for papers, as I learned, is the professional term for this is over. So no more presentations and things like that. (laughs) That piece is over, but you can still volunteer. You can still attend. So a big thank you to each and every one of you by supporting watching, listening, however you do it. We love your faces. We're here every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern live at DLNlive.com. The best part, everyone is invited to watch the recordings of Destination Linux each and every week, and we can't wait to see you in the chat. And we also have our glorious patrons who get perks like unedited versions of the show, and they get to hang out with us in the patron post show in the 60,000 square foot virtual stadium. And they're piped in right now. They get to hear the audio real time. And usually they get to see the video as well, except I forgot this time to pipe that in. So sorry, patrons, but next time I'll get that in. So generally they can watch it in real time without all the delays and everything else and help support Mm -hmm. this Destination Linux show. Also, go right now to thedealinstore.com. I've already mentioned it a few times, but what's another one? Uh, pick up some <laughs> yeah. swag. you got T-shirts, hoodies, Wait. mugs, stickers, backpacks, so much great stuff, including the new uh, GameSphere, uh, uh, the GameSphere shirt and also the brand new 33% more oh. Jill celebration shirt. So check it out, dealinstore.com. And make sure to check out all the amazing shows we have here on the wonderful Destination Linux Network. We have the Pseudo Show, This Week in Linux, the DOS Geek Channel, DLN Extend, Hardware Addicts, GameSphere, and the Fedora Podcast. So everyone head to destinationlinux.network and subscribe to all these great shows. And don't forget, please, to leave a rating on your favorite app so others can discover the power of open source and keep those penguins marching in the full Monty of Linux and open source awesome sauce. And everybody, have a great week. And remember that the journey itself is just as important as the destination. Nice. Thanks, everyone. See you next week. Mm -hmm. We did it.